Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. My name is Ian Cheeseman and as ever this is a podcast dedicated to all things Manchester City and I am indebted to Howard solicitors, Howard and Henry solicitors actually if you want to give them the full title. They're based in Ashton and Stockport, Cheshire and they specialise in personal injury claims for example on a no-win, no-fee basis. So if you had an accident and it wasn't your fault, give them a shout. I'm sure they can help you. They also do family matters and and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, so give them a call, uh, 0161 872 or email law at howardslisters.com. And as I always say, you know, if, you, if you're not in the Greater Manchester area, you're not in Cheshire, you're not in Ashton, you think, well, no use to me, have a look at the website, howardslisters.com. There may be something that can help you. Equally, if you email them and you say, you know, I, I live in London or I live in wherever, um, is there anything you can do to help? I, I'm absolutely certain that they will give you good advice and point you in the right direction and help you if they can, actually. So, so give them a call or send them an email. And thanks very much to them for their support. Now, last week on the podcast, I did promise that we would have Niall Quinn on this uh, podcast. Niall has apologised to me and said that, unfortunately, he can't make it this week. Uh, hopefully I'll get to chat to him sometime soon and we'll get a video posted up or maybe a podcast. Uh, but in the absence of Niall, I have recruited three very able members of my podcast squad. Um, they are Tony, who's on uh, quite regularly and is always excellent value for money. Uh, the lovely Amy, who, uh, uh, of course, is also very valued. And Mark, who is the representative um, or one of the representatives on City Matters, which is the consultancy group that, that deal with the club on all sorts of practical matters. And I know that Mark uh, is like a sort of a dog with a bone. If he has an idea and he wants to get things over to the club, he isn't one of those people who just goes, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. He gets on with it. And I've seen what he does and what he achieves. So he's a good man to be in that position. And he's with us as well. So let's start by talking about the football. I have to admit that this afternoon, because we're recording this on a Sunday evening, I went along to watch the EDS City's under-21s playing against United. And uh, and they won 6-0. So 6-0, um, 6-0 against Burnley, the first team, 7-0 against Leipzig. It's becoming very one-sided watching City at the moment. Um, but obviously, any victory against United, whether it's under-21s, under-8s, uh, over-90s, walking football, I don't care what it is, uh, it can be, you name it, and I'll take it. And I've got to say, I don't normally talk about the EDS much on here, but I'm just going to say that City romped into a 3-0, well, 2-0 certainly, uh, lead. Then United had a player sent off. They got a third goal. And then United brought on Tom Huddleston, who is on their coaching staff. In fact, I, I believe he's the coach of that squad. He's 36. The rules in the under-21s are, I think you can bring two or three overage players into your team. But that was obviously them saying... Here's the towel. I'm throwing it in and we're just going to bring on a bit of experience and extra defensive players because Huddleston played as a as a sort of sweeper in between the back four and, and we'll keep the score down. It didn't quite work because it let, let in another three and it ended up being six. But I, it made me laugh anyway. It made, made me enjoy the day. It, so, it sounds it sounds like the PE teacher in Kez, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to come on. I'm going to push everybody around and I'll show you how football should be played. I'm a rubbish Bobby Charlton, me. Watch what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, he didn't set the penalty, though. That's the difference. No, no. <laughs> I'm checking the penalty. Check that film out, by the way. It's brilliant, Kez. Um, so, yeah, well spotted, Mark. Uh, so, City have had a couple of, uh, of very successive, uh, brilliant performances. Obviously, the amazing Erling Haaland effectively pay, plays for two hours of football in the week and scores eight goals. I mean, you know, the man, when, when the, the third goal went in, uh, uh, obviously against Burnley, I looked around at other people. I was sat in the press box. I, I cover those games for Sony TV in India. And, and, and we were all just like looking at each other, shaking our head. You know, you just knew that Erling Hahn was going to score this goal. And actually, maybe I should bring Amy at this point, because if you've been a long-term listener to this podcast, you will know that Amy is a huge Sergio Aguero fan. 
And I just wonder whether your allegiances now are changing, Amy, to aforementioned Norwegian. <laughs> no, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, no, it'll always be Aguero. Uh, no, I uh, only joking. No, he, he could he smash. Has... He could smash every record oh, Sergio's he, ever seen. He, he, he really could. Like, he, I, I can't believe that he's actually human. Like, there's so many people say he's not. He's not human. Um, he's, he is brilliant, and uh, you know, I was on the fence about him. And you'll you'll remember I was like you know not slagging him off, but you know going to like we don't need him and all this sort of stuff. And I am slowly slowly coming round to uh, to him, and I I do slowly think, slowly yeah. It's not the end of the season yet, um, <laughs> and we've still got Champions League to go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he, he is a fantastic player, but obviously I'm in the area of when his dad played, so you know it was little Alfie for uh, for the you know for us. So um, yeah, no, he is great, and I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not. Um, he, he it is mad what he does. It really, really is. But it will always be Sergio. No one can replace Sergio. In my uh, vlog that I did at the game, I described him as a freak of nature. In fact, I may have used that expression a couple of times. And somebody, one of, one of the comments on my YouTube channel said, why do you call him a freak of nature? Uh, and I don't know whether that person assumed that meant that was meant as some sort of derogatory statement. It certainly wasn't. It was meant as a very positive statement. I mean, he, he, he isn't really a freak of nature, but the way he plays in terms of the physique and the way he uses his physique and that power. I mean, there are other players. I mean, Mark, you know, you and I have seen Tony Cunningham play up front for City and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, Lee Bradbury and all sorts of people up there, you know, that were big, powerful players. And this guy's got that type of physique and more. And, and look, it is a freak of nature of types, isn't he? Well, he's just so, he is so different. That's the point, because... He's got the lot. So, you know, the big lad up front that you're describing usually can't run like a sprinter. The big lad up front hasn't got the amazing touch. This player's going to get better. Nearly everybody goes to pep school for one year, don't they? Some of the great players we've got and had in the squad spend the first year learning the ways of the pep. And he's, he's scoring 40-odd goals before he learns the ways of the pep. And the way he comes into midfield now, He's not great at it, but he's doing it because to come into midfield to make those runs don't stay up there where they can watch. So he's already changing his game. His touch isn't as good as it needs to be, but that'll come. He's young and he's only been with us for a short period of time. So he's so different because he can. it looks like he can do the lot. He's not a, he isn't a one-trick pony, even though he just scores goals. He isn't a one-trick pony. He can do everything and he'll get better. There was a time when we were talking about whether the fact that he was now the target of everything going forward might weaken City. Um, have, have any of you got any doubts about that now? Or you just hinted, Amy, about you know the big games to come in the Champions League. And obviously we know the draw now. We know the draw all the way through in theory. You know, City will play Bayern Munich, two legs. Likelihood is that they'll then play Real Madrid. The expectation, I suppose, is that they'll play Real Madrid, but it could be Chelsea. And then looking at the other side of the draw, I would expect Napoli to come through. So there'll be those three potentially that City would face if they were to go all the way. Is there any concern that any of the three of you have that, that despite Haaland scoring all these goals, that somehow the fact that he's become a focal point as to put the way we, as opposed to the play, way we played last season, might in any way be detrimental? I, I I don't think so, uh, Ian, because um, if um, teams focus just purely on Erling, then we have other players. And I think you mustn't forget that. And I'm sure teams, you know, won't, won't do that. Um, that's the problem that we've got because we're, we're so capable from all over the field, uh, you know, to get goals, uh, to create stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the one thing I have noticed, and I do think we have changed our game, uh, we 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 look a lot more resilient at the back. We seem more solid, and we're also prepared to. I mean, I know that we, we we do like to pass the ball around, but I just feel that that it's not necessarily two passes. Give it to Erling. Give it to Erling. It, it's it's very much 
maneuvered in, in, a, in a different way. And I think, as Mark said, the fact that he can actually come into midfield and 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 do a you know a good enough job for what he needs to do, and and like Mark said, he will get better with that. But I think, I mean, his touch, you know, dare I say that it's better than Nal Quinn's you know, on the floor because obviously he was a big striker as well, wasn't he? Um, and certainly, you know, um, I don't think it will hinder City at all because I just think it it's another dimension, but it's not our only dimension. You mentioned the defence. I mean, is Diaz the reason for that? I personally think so, yeah. I think he's so controlling. I mean, there was a tackle yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday that that basically, you know, there's only somebody like him can make. Um, you know, that if that's wrong, then it's a penalty and, it, and you know, it possibly could uh, result or change the game in some ways, you know. So that's how much of a difference. And you could just see the way he communicates with the rest of the players. I think they all look up to him. They all respect him. There's just something different when you look, and I can imagine as a player there, when you're playing fullback or whatever, and you go, is Diaz playing today? Yeah, right, we're going to win. And it, and he has that kind of, um, you know, presence for me. I think I think Pep's sorted out the defence in the last couple of months. We were we were shakier earlier. Yeah. We were always conceding one silly goal at some point. And of yeah. course, what it meant is we've drawn too many matches that we should have won. You know, the Everton at home, Forest away. And I think Diaz coming back, being fit and being confident. I mean, he makes those challenges you described there before, Tony. And it sets the tone for the defending. So he puts that challenge in. It's it's more than the challenge almost, isn't it? It's a yeah. they shall not pass. And when we first got him, I think we are all calling the wall kind of thing, weren't we? You know, he was such a great, solid, tackling defender that you don't see as often as you used to. And I think Pep settled on the defence a little bit now. And I think we'll play that really strong back four in the big games, you might call it. You know, when we play Arsenal, I'm sure uh, Ake will play left-back, for example. And then where you're going to have a lot of the ball, uh, you can afford, if you know what I mean, to play Rico Lewis as the right-back yeah. midfield. So uh, it perhaps it looks like he's got an he's settled on an idea of what to do with the defence, depending on what type of game it it is. And we've kept loads of clean sheets lately. We've kept more clean sheets lately than we have done all season. And of course, you get one goal, you feel like you might win the game. And, you know, it just gives you a platform, doesn't it, to win matches. At the press conference before the game against Burnley, Pep, understandably, was asked a lot of questions about Vincent Company. And he actually did compare Rhea, um, Ruben Diaz with company in many ways, you know, talking about what he does off the field, that yeah. even when Diaz wasn't in the team, you know, he was still a, a strong, powerful, um, you know, opinion and personality, etc. And, and I've been sort of studying, we all, we all do, we're all City fans, so we study our team. And, and, and I was watching the EDS team today and I keep asking myself this question, thinking, what is it that makes this team different? You know, because, you know, we've seen Arsenal press. We saw Liverpool, you know, a very pressing team for those couple of years when they were really pushing City close and even won the league. And you think, well, what is the difference? It isn't just pressing. And to me, and, and, and let, let me open this up for you three to comment on and discuss, um, it feels to me as if, um, the city play, you know, at school. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you know, you, you three are all different people, you know, whether, were, and I was terrible, by the way, as a footballer, terrible, right? But, but still listened to what the teachers said and saw what happened, even if it wasn't involved in it. And even, right, even back then, it was all about one, let's, let's play a, a one touch game or a two touch game. And when you watch City, that to me is what it is. It is not literally too much. I'm watching this EDS because they play just like the first team, and they it might be three touches, but it's like very very quick. It isn't. It's it's a mentality of one touch, even if it's three, and the ball is always moving. Even if it's two players stood five yards apart facing each other, and they pass it to each other and back four or five times over and over again, and you go, why are you doing that? But then you think, yeah, but it's unsettling the opposition and it just keeps that ball moving and setting a tempo. Is that what the difference is between City and the rest? I, I, I would think so. And I think um, the triangle is, is quite a common uh, theme and, and, and the way that teams play. There's always an out. Um, and I think that's what City have got. You know, when, whenever you think that they're penned in, there always seems to be an out and they don't panic. 
you know it's you know it's we've done it so many times before and you can feel that but obviously that's what they do and in terms of uh, the eds and and probably i would even say probably going down to sort of 13s and 14s i have seen a lot of uh, academy football from from a different perspective um it's quite it, it's quite uh, easy on the eye from watching that but i also think as well that the team and the structure is set at that level as soon as they they all can play um, uh, you know, 11 aside, then that's what they work out. I mean, obviously, I've seen Rico all the way through uh, from being eight and nine-year-old. Um, and even at eight and nine-year-old, they used to play with a base, uh, a, a, a midfield base of which uh, Rico used to play that. And all that was then was that basically that's the person that sets everything off. So the ball would always go back to that person who then sets it off again. And when you look at Rico now, I'm seeing that he could quite easily adapt into a very good midfielder because that's the way that he probably has played um, in terms of receiving the ball and knowing exactly where to be and where to go with it. So um, I I definitely see that. And I would have thought that once, um, I mean, I suppose it's in it, any manager that comes in at the first team and more so with Pep, he basically will structure the whole, the whole setup to play that way because what he wants is somebody to come out of there uh, the 21s, the 18s, to actually come into a position and to play a certain way. Uh, and you can only do that if you've been working at it for, for a number of years, certainly. Now, all that stuff's very Johan Cruyff, isn't it? Very Ajax. Yeah. Ajax have played that, done that for 30, 40 years or so, where the youth team play in a very particular way so they can move into the first team. The, what I think we're doing now, and it, it isn't since the World Cup, it's taken a bit of time after the World Cup. I, I'd probably say last six or seven weeks, we almost, the way I'd say it, we're almost playing with a bit of anger. We're defending with a bit of oomph, you know, like some of them Kyle Walker challenges, as well as Diaz yesterday, when it was a 50-50 ball, he won it. Um, and you don't give the foul away, you know, you pull out rather than do that, but you win it, you know, you that way. And they're attacking like that, like getting the ball in and, and then and the way Harlan puts the ball in the net sometimes, he smashes it. You know, the ball comes to him and he's battering it in. And uh, Alvarez did it yesterday. That what that one where he put the defender on his backside. I know he slipped a bit. He battered it past the goalie, didn't he? You know, there's a, there's, I, I think other people are call it intent. That's probably a nicer way of putting it. But the defend and the attack were really intent. And I like to call it a bit of anger. We're going to bloody win this game, whatever happens. You know, they're a bit like that now. And that's something that we haven't had for most of the season. And it gives me some confidence that the three cups we're going for, three championships we're going for, with a with a chance of doing well in them. I'm never I'm not one of these people who thinks we're going to win everything. I, but we've got a good chance because we're playing that way now. Well, arguably the problem last year against uh, Real Madrid, and I'm sure probably talked about this at the time, was that City were a bit too nice. When it and, and you know when it comes to the lack, latter end of these competitions, sometimes the dark arts are needed. Now I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting you've just said, Mark, that that's about dark arts. It is about intensity and it is about not being bullied and and if necessary, being the bully. That's the dark art, but but certainly not shirking anything like that. Um, is that fair? Fair to say? Do you think? Just a quick one on that. We, we, oh, sorry, Amy. No, no, it's fine. It just seems passing, isn't it? It's it's having, you know, you see, you see, like we we score a goal and Ireland's jeering the clap the crowd up and you know and they're all battering the you know the crest and the, you know and the, it's 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 about passion. It's about wanting things and when you know when we have gone down, you know, with a you know a one nil or whatever, um, Diaz does it as well. You know they they want you know they're trying to get the lads back up. Like come on. You know, we've gone one nil down. Let's get it back. It's 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 all about passion, and I think I think that's what it is. It's it, the lads are spurring each other on, and which which helps the crowd as well. And you know, if they they're happy, and you know, you see it with I see it with the you know on a different scale. I've been watching the women's team uh, on the telly. They're exactly the same. Um, they play a similar a similar fashion. Um, you know that Bunny Shaw, she's amazing. She, you know, could have her on on men's first team. She's brilliant. Um, but she has the same thing like Harland does. You know, they they want it. They really, really want it. And I think that that's the difference at the moment is we we want it more, and you it that's what we need. I think it's passion, and that and that's that's a good thing. If you go to the away games, as obviously Mark and I do. 
you see Pep at the end of the game come over now to the away supporters. And I'm detecting that he is ignited in his passion a little bit. He's coming over with a lot more intensity now towards the away fans. You see him and others conducting the crowd during the game. Um, do you think that's making a difference then, Amy? I mean, I mean, I, I know that you've been speak. We have a, a WhatsApp group that we prepare programs in and chat to occasionally. And I know there was a lot of discussion about, you know, the the club paying tribute to Vincent Company before the game, and also doing the Poznan when the match happened. That that, that some people were suggesting that was disrespectful. To, but to me. That those crowd reactions and Pep reacting like he does at the end of the games is just an increasing notching up, if you like, as we get into the business end of the season of passion from every quarter. Yeah, and I, I think if I think personally, I think I, I think Vinny would have been upset if we hadn't been like that. That's the team that he knows, and you know, and I think if we'd not. If we'd not done the things that we had done, I, I think that he, he would have been more upset at that, that we'd not, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's Burnley's manager's na manager now. And as much as he, he did belong to us, he belongs to them now. And I think he would have been more upset if we'd not done it. And it was just nice to stop for a minute and watch the whole of the stadium do it because Normally, you'll only get certain sections. Like, no, I mean, I was right at the front because uh, we got moved for the Burnley fans. Uh, normally, I'm right at the top in the south stand, and you know, there's only a you, there's quite a few of us sing up there, but they won't be we hear it from like downwards. Um, and you can't you you're looking across the stadium, and not everyone's joining in with anything. You know, when we say stand up for the champions, you know. And, not everybody joins in, but it was actually nice to look and see that every single person did the Poznan. And that's what Pep's been referring to. The home fans don't always join in with everything. And I think for once, we showed we showed that, you know, Pep, what we are, what, you know, the home ground is, you know, is where the passion comes from. I mean, it's never been better to be a City fan, Tony, has it? No, not at all. And I think that fortress that uh, Amy is talking about now, um, that togetherness, um, it probably wasn't happening early in the season because there was still that doubt that, that, as Mark said, that we could concede an early goal or we could concede a silly goal. And it was never safe. It just felt safe yesterday. You know, we went 2-0 up and it was like a release. And we started and you were able to enjoy the game. And then I think naturally what happens then is that the team also feel the same as well and they go on and be more productive. And then when the third goes in, then then you, you, you just felt, and it's not happened for a while. Um, and it's it's probably, you know, the new way that we're playing at the moment, a different way. You know, like you say, we, you know, we are, you know, committing a little bit more, but we're also reserved in some ways as well. And I do think that Pep often says to his team, right, I want a fast tempo. I want us to slow it down. Um, I just want you to move the ball around faster. I want you to get certain players involved, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I just think that they're just, they're just doing things as, as, as they can, but also they're expressing themselves as well. And I think it's noticeable that, that uh, KDB has come into his own now as well. And he's starting to produce. Um, and there's that, as Mark referred to before, there's that anger there. There's that want and that will and that desire in there as well. And I think Foden's now in his stride as well. So, you know, it, there's certain players when we get to this time of the year that just know what they have to do. And that's seemingly what the team are doing now. They're just clicking into gear. In the, in the game at the moment, as we speak now, nobody gets football psychology like Pep. Nobody. That's my view. That's what he's absolutely genius at. And he gets it from a fan's perspective, bizarrely, because he's not a fan. He's, you know, he's probably not watched like a fan for years. He gets it from a player's perspective, from a club perspective, right throughout. So when he had his kind of mini rant, not that long ago, if you think about it, it was basically spot on. He was saying, look, you know, we've won so many leagues. You know, we've won so many leagues, four out of five. It's kind of not surprising that everyone's going, oh, we're pretty good. That's been really good. And Arsenal, who haven't won it for 20 years, are up for it more. Their fans go berserk when they beat, you know, Bournemouth with a lap minute goal. So they should, you know. So he gets the psychology of it and he's got us all fired up again. Yeah. And to get the fans fired up, how's he done that? You know, he's not, he, you know, we don't go into training and listen to him speak every day. 
but it has worked. He has got fans behind him, and he's linked it a bit to the away support, yeah? And that's gone down well with those of us that go to a lot of the games over the way. But it's seeping through to the home support as well, and the, the ground's been fantastic in the last few weeks. Then the players play better, that's happened. And, of course, it's what they call a virtuous circle, isn't it? It's, you know, they play better, we love it, we sing a bit more, there's a lot more shouting. He's got a thing going, and that will, even if we don't catch Arsenal, because Arsenal are doing well and they've got the lead and all the rest of it, um, it given us a chance, and I think the chance would have drifted if he hadn't have done that. Yeah. When the Champions League draw was made, what was your reaction? Mortified. <laughs> Bloody mortified. Really? So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I know we're all in a good place and we're all optimistic, but that, that's a very honest reply, that, Mark. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. United won the League Cup because we knocked out all the good teams and then lost to Southampton. They had the easiest run you could possibly have. And then Newcastle don't turn up on the day. And they've been on a bad run. So, and, and listen, United deserve to win it and all that. I'm not taking it away. When somebody wins a trophy, you have to take your hat off. But if we'd have got that kind of run in the Champions League, you've got to be happy with it. We've kind of had our luck a little bit, though. We have had good draws in the past in the Champions League and blown it. So all those all those English teams that keep flipping, knocking us out. I'm glad we, on in theory, don't get a, another English team. But they've all been teams not fit to lace our boots when they've knocked us out, Tottenham and Chelsea in the final. So, you know, we've kind of had our look and now we're, you know, this is the way it works. It's a tough draw. But most teams would love to be playing Bayern Munich and uh, Real Madrid, potentially, in uh, the Champions League. Look at the Reds on a Thursday night. They'd love to be doing what we're doing. So, yeah, we'll have to take it. We're going to have to do it the hard way. Isn't the opposite way of looking at that one, um, the fact that when we played Monaco, when we played Lyon, when we played some of the teams that we slipped up against, that yeah. I'm, I'm not saying for one second that Pep or the players would underestimate them or, or take it for granted, although us fans, we might have done, you know, but I just wonder whether the fact, you know you've got to play Bayern Munich with the second, Second leg in Germany. You know you've got to play Real Madrid again, potentially, in the semi-final and maybe Napoli in the final. There's not going to be any underestimating or taking it no. for granted in this competition. And that might actually work in City's favour. I don't disagree. I don't disagree there. But I just think there's that there's a steely presence about the side now. And, it, and there's that, well, um, and especially, obviously, in the Champions League, as it is with the Premier League now, is that everybody hates us. You know, and it's that backs against the wall and, and there's that kind of mentality. Um, but I just think that what well, I'd like to think that that we've um, that we've picked up from what we did last year against uh, Real Madrid. And I, I, for one, wanted Real Madrid in this next round as opposed to um, potentially in, you know, potentially sort of in the semi-final because I think we owe them one. So, you know, for me, um, you know, lightning doesn't start, strike twice when we do or if we do play Real Madrid. Bayern Munich, we, we've done quite well against them. In fact, actually, we've probably done better away from home than we have at home against Bayern Munich in certain games. So um, I just think, bring it on. You know, we've got to play these teams anyway. Um, and everybody's talking about, you know, the, the 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 dark horse there being Napoli. But who knows? You know, Napoli might just get the jitters, you know, early rounds and, 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 and get beat. But, you know, let's see what happens. But obviously, we're not going to face either that side of the draw until the final. So... You know, let's bring it on. What was your reaction, Amy, when uh, the draw was made? Uh, any of these teams are, are scary. Or oh, when it gets to the latter end, you know, like these are these are teams that are, you know, are in their divisions. They always have been. And and I know on Tuesday I was speaking to some people around me. Uh, they didn't want Napoli, so um, you know, it, it's one of them. It's the like I say, these teams are where they are because of you know where they are they've always been high up in their divisions um whatever whoever we would have got i think you know i think chelsea would have stung a bit more because of what happened last time um but yeah I, I, towards this end of the champions league thing whoever we was going to get will be hard no matter what because like say they're their top teams in their division on a positive on a positive spin 
we've we've struggled. If we have struggled, we've had a great season. People think we've struggled. We've actually battered loads of teams. But let's just look at where we've not done well. It's usually been against a team that are low block, waste a load of time. And, you know, your Italian teams like AC Milan and Inter would have done that to us. I suspect Benfica might have had to. Napoli might have played. So we've done, we have done better against teams that come and play, whether they're good or not. And, you know, we've, especially at home, we've beaten a lot of very good teams already. Um, and we've, you know, we've won away at Chelsea. We've had some great results against what you might call the better sides. But I think it's not the better sides, it's teams that come to play. Teams that want to go a bit, a bit in Burnley, you know, went toe to toe. So the positive side of it is I'm sure Bayern Munich will come to play. If we get Real Madrid, they definitely will. And think about Real Madrid last season when we went out. That first game was really where it was lost because we should have won that game by three goals easy with the chances we had. And Haaland will put those away is the theory. That's the whole point of him being in the team uh, to play in Champions League. So I'm not negative about it, but when the draw came through, I thought someone's got hot balls in that bag somewhere to make sure we don't get an easy ride. But we have had, like you say, we've had teams before that have knocked us out. We probably should have seen off. So kind of no excuses. You've got really good teams. We've got to play well um, and try and beat them. We've got an interesting run of games coming up with semi-final. And I think it's between the Champions League match and Arsenal at home. Am I right? But hey, yeah. you know, with the great time to be a City fan. I, I, I'd, uh, I'd have sold me out to play these teams once upon a time, never mind in the last stages of the European Cup. You, you make some great points there, Mark, about teams opening up again. I know it was only an EDS game, but because it was, you know, the under 21, so I wasn't as emotionally attacked. I'm not sending in one city to win, of course, and it was against United, so of course I was, but I just was able to sit back a little bit from it and watch it and study yeah. it. And when United brought on Huddleston in this EDS game and suddenly did that low block, and they actually had five, they'd had a play sent off, remember, they had five across the back three stroke four then in a tight uh, block in front and I thought I suppose when City fans are sort of moaning about opposition in first team games and said oh they all come and put 11 men, men behind the ball in actual fact that's the only way they've got a chance of beating City right. if they take them on toe to toe it's the only way that they can uh, beat them because Burnley did it you're right Leipzig did it they played open football yeah. City absolutely destroyed them so it'd be fascinating to see whether Bayern Munich come yeah. and actually try to play City or yeah. do the same thing that that, that your Forests and, and whatnot do we're away mm. first aren't we so uh, it, 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 when they come to no home, we're at home like, we're at home first home? oh of course we are yeah that's a good point yeah Oh, right. In that case, God knows what they're going to do. Because if they're smart, they won't come and play us at home, especially when they've got the second leg uh, at their place. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, the FA Cup draw has been made as well. And if the Champions League draw was hot balls and the toughest draw, arguably City got the easiest draw in the semi-final. Not easy, but easiest. Uh, and um, somebody asked me today on, on social media, as soon as that draw was made, uh, can Tommy Doyle and James McAtee play against City? I looked up the rules straight away. Um, the rule is that if City agree to it and sign it off, then they can. I think it's highly unlikely that City will agree to it and sign it off, uh, but they are in control of that situation. So I think we can assume that James McAtee and Tommy Doyle won't play against City. And arguably, they've been two of Sheffield United's best players. They're in a championship battle for, for getting into the Premier League. Uh, at the moment, Middlesbrough, I think, are just behind them and breathing down the necks. So I wonder, you know, how how up for that game they will be. They will be up for it. It's an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. But you'd have to say, if you were picking the draw, that would be the one, which then leads you potentially to a United City, Manchester derby at Wembley in the final, which I talked about I think last week and said, has anybody has it occurred to anybody that City play Brentford one weekend, potentially for the, the Premier League, United in a derby at Wembley then for the FA Cup and then potentially the Champions League final in Istanbul. If that happens, that's going to be some two-week period, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> it is, but, you know, we've, you, this is what we've always wanted. This is it, you know. Getting into these positions is just like, it's dreamland, isn't it? Just to be able to say we might have that run of games. So 
yeah, bring it on. And I actually Brighton are twice the team United are. Um, so it won't. It's not a given. United have, have, have had a really good. I, I don't want to call it lucky, but the jammy sods aren't they? They apparently <laughs> played terrible today. Yeah, and still managed to get through. I didn't watch. I don't watch them, but apparently they didn't play great. So Brighton are a good side. The thing about Brighton, they're a bit like Napoli, I think. And as much as they're on form, aren't they? And that can dip a bit like. So maybe playing, not playing Napoli at the moment is no bad thing. Um, I, I think Brighton are a, a, a form team, if you know what I mean. So if they can take that form into the semi, they'll they'll beat United. I think that's my that's my. I don't normally do predictions, but I think they're better than them. United are going to have to have something special to stop them. You must have been delighted, Tony, when that draw came out, Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I mean, obviously because. There was always this. Uh, there's always been this mention that um, you know the balls get really hot when it comes to uh, having a, a you know a Manchester final, and and, it, and on occasions before we've ended up uh, drawing them in the semi final uh, for some reason that you know London don't want a Manchester final. Um, so obviously the potential now is even greater. But like Mark said, let you know let's hope that Brighton. Uh, you know, keep on their good form and, and do what they need to do. But interestingly enough, we talk about the two players from Sheffield United, uh, McAtee and Doyle there. Um, I think it's very unlikely because uh, it's for them to play and for City to sign it off on the basis that they look a threat. Um, and, you know, they are coming into form. And do you want a chance that? I mean, you know, if you gave them that, if you gave that permission to them, how... How ironic would be if you did that and 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 Doyle was the one or, or whatever to you know just potentially score the winner that, that knocks you out of a you know a cup semi-final. But it's interesting enough that in the Champions League, um they don't have such a the, the rule's not the same, is it? Because Cancelo can actually play for uh, Bayern. Is that is that's that's correct, isn't it? Yeah. Um yeah, so interestingly enough, obviously it's a different competition and so on. Um and you know, I'm sure he'll want to put one over on us as well. And, and we know how dangerous that player can be as well. So um, that would be interesting. When, and this is just a finger in the air question, this now. Mark, I know, is a, pretty much a diehard fan like me, home and away. And I know, Tony, we spoke last time on the podcast and at the moment you're not going to as many games for, for, for various reasons. Amy, you're a home supporter. Um, I don't know how many away games you go to, uh, but uh, I, I just wonder... And this is just you're one person. It's hardly hardly scientific. But now that City are playing Sheffield United at Wembley in an FA Cup semi-final, and you've seen what the Champions League draw is, um, are you tempted to go to Wembley for a Sheffield United, or is it in your head to think, you know what, with these big games coming up, I'll save me money and maybe maybe go to the final if I can get a ticket? You know, does that come into your thinking? I, and the reason I ask that, of course, is just a, a general wonderment as to whether there'll be a big demand for tickets for the semi-final or whether there will be some people who'll hold back and think, I can't afford everything, so I'm, I'm going to be optimistic here and save me money for Istanbul and for the FA Cup final and stuff like that. What's, what's your thinking, Amy? Um, I'm a bit old school when it comes to semi-finals. I, fer- I, fer- I preferred it when they used to play at a neutral ground. Um, but I get why they do it because obviously these small, you know, the smaller teams, you know, probably wouldn't get a chance to go to Wembley. I get that. Um, but yeah, I prefer the final to be at Wembley, and then you know, and that that that's how I think it should be. Um, I have been to Wembley. I've been to Wembley a few. I've been to a semi-finals and I've been to finals. Um, I've not been to away matches for quite a while, you know, due to money and things like that. Um, being a nurse and nurse, we don't get much money. Um, so, you know, but I would love to be able to go to a Champions League final. I really, really would. Um, but yeah, that's like dependent on holidays as well. Like, you know, uh, work always likes, you know, work comes before your social life in a way. Um, I'm very lucky that I get to go to um weekday matches to be fair you know like because of like shift patterns and stuff luckily I finish at my latest shift six o'clock but um yeah it you know it all depends on like you, you know your life really as much as I, I love city I, I you know my it I do have like a personal life so I go to my own matches because that's that's beneficial for me 
Um, but yeah, I used to go to away matches a fair bit, but as I say, money and stuff like that comes into contention. Um, so yeah, I, I get why people are like, you know, we'll save the money for finals more than semi-finals. Um, but yeah, if, if we got, you know, if we got to a final, I would of Champions League, I would really want to go. But like I say, it depends on money and holidays and stuff like that. It is quite hard for me. That's a good insight. I, ho I hope you get there if City get to the final. Um, uh, next week, by the way, on the podcast, um, it's going to be from a supporters club branch. Um, Berry Supporters Club have invited me to go over there and 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 be at their branch meeting and to record a podcast from over there. So that'll be a very different type of podcast. It'll be an insight into what a supporters club branch meeting is like and to get a lot of different voices talking about different subjects. And one subject that I, I, I'm keeping for this one, really, particularly with Mark, but with, with Amy and Tony too, is the announcement of the redevelopment South Stand. Uh, at the beginning of the match day vlog that I did against Leipzig, um, I actually went into one of these porter cabins that's in City Square at the moment and had a look at the display around on the walls. There weren't, although I'm there quite early, admittedly, but there weren't many, not too many people going in there, but it's been put out for consultation and... Um, and obviously you've talked about atmosphere, you know, the, the growing atmosphere and passion and what, what a difference that can make. And one of the suggestions is that the new stand will be a little bit Tottenham-ish in the sense of trying to build up that big stand at one end and maybe redeploying everybody who is a singer and has that extra passion to where now we have the family stand. Um, first question before, before Tony and, and Amy give me their thoughts is, whether City Matters, the, the, the group that you're involved in, Mark, are in, heavily involved in consulting, whether the general public who are putting notes maybe in that box in the porter cabin um, are, are just sort of equal, or whether you feel as if it's already been decided what's going to be there, and indeed whether you've had any insight into the specifics of what's going to be there in that new stand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if I give an opinion, it's my opinion rather than the whole City Matters committee, but we haven't been given like more access than the supporters have. Um, my personal opinion is most of the questions that are being asked, they call it like uh, everyone's in favour of motherhood and apple pie, don't they? Do you want a bigger stadium with more fans? Tick, yes. Do you want it to be a, you know, do you want it to get the atmosphere going? Tick, yes. So at the moment, I think that the club have listened to what we've said so far. I've taken feedback from supporters I know. I have like a network of, 500 city fans that I can like put things out to using Facebook and stuff. And they tell me what they think. I learn a lot from that. So I put my opinion in, but I also take soundings from what I kind of talk, talk about as my networks and what, the, what comes across um, loud and clear is this is the major and probably final opportunity to have something that will resemble an old Kipax or, you know, or a cop or whatever it might be, you know, a bit of an end. And, if we don't take that now, we'll never have it. We'll end up with three tiers around. And the stadium's lovely, but it'd be great to have something like that. But the club needs to pay, play their part in that. It's not just about giving us a stand and saying that's for that reason. They need to make the, um, they need to probably make it all safe standing, in my view. Again, my opinion, but that's come through on the networks that I talked to. They probably need to get pricing right at that end. They probably need to give people the chance to move there over a period of time and guarantee you can move with your your brother if you stand next to him or your wife or whatever. So they need to the club need to make that happen. It's not just about what they build. I think the first design that we've seen does show two tiers, and like obviously in a perfect world we're building the ground from scratch. We'd probably have one great big one because the Tottenham one works really well. I think technically that's difficult because everybody will probably know, but the lower tier is below the ground at our current stadium. So people walking off the street for people watching this and listening who don't know, and you're on the back row. So to take that out technically is massively difficult, but they've listened to what has been said and they're talking about basically a great big two-tier two high single stand. But if the club needs to put things in place to make it happen, it's not just about building it. 
the acoustics need to be right if we want to make it a bit noisy. And don't forget, you know, there's no, there's nothing that says that people in other parts of the ground can't do the kind of jumping around atmospheric bit that, you know, and that happens all, at a lot of grounds. So if we keep the away fans where they are, which I suspect, again, technically is likely the police won't want to start messing about with the design. If they're down there, we'll end up with something at one end called the Aguero end or the, you know, the new kit packs or whatever we end up calling it. That'll be kind of banners and flags and pretty much what the kind of 1894 people tend to do. But some people will still want to be near the away fans. So it's not going to ruin things. I think the, the, the plans I've seen so far will enhance it. The devil will be in the detail. And I think they need to get the food and drink, pricing, safe standing and pre-match entertainment right. You know, I don't think it's the family end that. I think that needs to be a bit more raucous, get the thing going and let the fans, you know, get the atmosphere going from that end. I mean, South Stand do a great job at the moment. But I don't go and sit in there. That's not, it's, it's not for everybody, you know. You don't necessarily have to have the entire ground jumping all the time. So I like where I sit and I enjoy watching the game. And I love the fact that South Stand make all the noise. And if we can make it happen down in this like new North Stand or whatever it gets called, uh, all well and good. I think that the, the fans, I think the club are going in the right direction on it at the moment. Just need to keep them going in that direction. And hopefully they'll come and ask the supporters for, um, their opinions on more detailed stuff about things that we can influence. There's no point us influencing everything. The club needs to build it and fund it. But I think they can come backwards and forwards to the uh, support and ask them what they think about various things. From what I've heard, of course, at that end, uh, the, the the new North Stand end, there will yeah. also be an integrated hotel. There'll be a 3,000 capacity covered city square. That's um, right. I don't know what else there is going to be at that end. Um, is 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 that stuff you've looked at, Mark? And is that something that you approve of as well as a group? Yeah, yeah so far, so good. I mean, the, the club shop will have to move because of where it is. I mean, basically, if we extend the north stand and we have a covered... I mean, City Square's got cover already, but they've kind of made use of the space that's already there that just happens to be either side of the club shop. So the, the way I see it is they're going to clear the site, basically, and build what they'd like to build. And, and then we'll have a big covered area for 3,000 supporters. So if you think about it, even when it's lashing it down, you've got 3,000 fans who could be in there, dry, eating and drinking. I think the entertainment needs to be, you know, pretty much entertainment needs to be right at that end. I think it needs to be more football, if you know what I mean. Big screens with a match on that's usually playing before us, you know. If we if we kick off at three, show the half past twelve game, um, you know the, all sorts of things they can do, and they call it the offering in the sort of language, which I don't like loads. But you know, getting that type of thing right matters. It's not just about building this stand. Um, but I think they'll clear the site. They'll move the club shop somewhere. That's not been decided, but there'll be one, I'm sure. Um, the museum hardly ever gets visited. It's basically part of. As I understand it, they just use it as part of the stadium tour. I think they could make that a place that they could change exhibitions all the time, make it somewhere you might want to go, um, as opposed to just being part of the store. So there's, a, there's loads of things we can do, but it's all about match day. Don't forget, we've got Co-op Live, the music venue opening soon. So part of what the club wants to do, and I, and I approve this massively, is make the Etihad campus, as they call it, a place that people go like four or five times a week, you know, when there's a concert on, they can do corporate, can't they? You know, people can go and see whoever they go to see and then get a corporate sort of visit to City's great corporate facilities before they go in there. So it works to make the whole campus make money and be active, you know, most days of the week all through the year. I think it's a, it's a brilliant thing. And we're miles ahead of everybody else in doing that. All sounds brilliant. There is one thing that keeps coming to my mind which is that once Corp Live opens once the stand is increased in size where on earth is everybody going to park has that been discussed transport I think is the biggest problem with it so whether it's walking to the game that they like to talk as though everybody wants to walk to the game of course they don't really parking public transport I'm, I've, I've, I've actually made some proposals to the club to try and improve public transport and I've got a meeting with them next week that I've been invited to to go and talk to them about that. So I've been I'll be going out again to networks and asking people for their ideas. But the truth is, we're not getting a new tram line any anytime soon. You know, there's not big infrastructure coming in. 
it's going to be and 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 we're not getting masses and more parking and stuff so if you want my honest opinion the actual build of it and the concept behind the build is great public transport is where they just haven't got i don't think they've got a good answer to the questions on that yet and that's something we need to push and push and push you two, Tony and Amy, have been listening to that, and it's great to have Mark giving us a, a you know, quite a good up sum of it all. Really, I, I've had a bit of a look at it, so I can see some of the things that that Mark's uh, telling us. But still, um, it's very interesting to hear it from that perspective. What, what? Let, let's start with you, Amy. What's your immediate reaction? You, you go in the south stand because of the atmosphere, I guess, and because you like to sing. Are you likely to be easily uprooted and moved to the other end? Would you buy into that? And do you like that concept? I uh, I like my seat. I don't want to move. <laughs> um, just um, going towards the uh, concert thing, venue, uh, I have an opinion on that. I don't, it's my opinion. It's, it's just my thing. I actually put in for it to not be built. Um, only because I go to concerts quite a lot. I go to concerts as much as I go to the football. Um, and I've been going to the arena since it opened. Uh, and I was 10 years old when I went to, when it opened. And obviously after the arena attack, I know a lot of uh, American artists have decided they don't really want to come because of what happened to Ariana. Um, I personally would have liked the Manchester Arena to have been rectified and made properly safe, blah, de, blah, de, blah. My reasoning for not liking the co-op one, where it is, is concerts happen at the same time football's on. Saturday night, Friday night, Sunday night, in the week, how many people are going to be around either at the, at the arena or at City? Traffic pollution, which everyone at City is supposed to be really on about, about, you know, as, as not polluting the planet, blah, de, blah, de, blah. Security is, police have got enough to deal with when football's on. They're going to have to be at the arena as well. I just think that it's the most, it's in the most stupidest place ever. And that is my opinion. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, everyone else has got an opinion about it. But I think that the way that what happened at the arena was absolutely diabolical. It was awful. It was, it was scary. I was due to be at the arena that week and it happened on the Monday. I was due to be there on the Friday and the Saturday. That's how much that space was between what happened. And it is so scary. Go, you, you want to enjoy yourself. You want to enjoy going to a concert. And you still have that anxiety now when you come out of the arena of something happening. And you're still going to have that anxiety wherever you go. You have anxiety, you know, you have the football and things like that. I just think that where it is, is going to cause so many problems. And, um, but obviously it's being built and there's nothing I can say, nothing I can do. But my, my personal thing is that the, uh, the Manchester New Evening News Arena should have been made better, should have been made safer. They could have done the concept that they've got at City at the arena. You know, City Group could have bought the arena and changed that. I just think, in my opinion, it's just, it's just, it's just so unsafe. It's untrue. Fully, fully enough, I agree with you. Um, I actually think that I'm astonished they've got planning for forgetting, and I'm not even touching on security. Do you know what? I hadn't thought about the security part of it, and I think you put it really eloquently there, Amy, about that part of it. You know, coping with it and. And not just the, just coping with it when there's football match going on and all those people milling about. I hadn't even thought of that. And that's a really, really good point. But even from a transport perspective, how crazy is it? It wouldn't happen in Germany, I'll tell you that. If you build a venue, but you don't build public transport for it, how on earth have they got planning permission for a brand new 30, it's 23,000 people. 
plus 7,000 yeah. coming to our stadium. That's 30,000 new people coming to the area. Yeah. Potentially around the same time. The club say some funny things about it won't be at the same time, but I don't buy that. I agree with you. Well, I don't either. Yeah. But the, how have they got permission without public transport being booked? There should have been a, a, a new station for it or a new spur line or something to do it. So I'm I mean, a bit the same, they got it, but we're, we're, we're stuck with it now. Yeah. We are I mean, it's the, same, it's the same at Old Trafford Cricket Ground. If you're going to watch a concert at Old Trafford, you're stuck with United fans as well. Like it's the same, it's the same, same situation. Obviously, yeah. they're further apart, but you end up in the same tram stop. Uh, you know, it, and coming to the ground on on Saturday, I have decided to never get on the tram ever again. There is so many small children, I will say, that are causing absolute havoc on the tram. And you've got, there was a little lad from Burnley with his dad and you tell he was brought up right because he was absolutely scared of these kids messing about on the tram. And it's awful. You should have a pleasant journey to the, to, to the game. I personally think there should be police or somebody on the tram when there's football on. It's, it's dangerous. And it's not even football fans that are causing the trouble. It's mindless jobs. And I, I think that, everything at the moment the security is just is just awful and and it's it's actually quite scary lots of passion in that answer tony what do you make of what you just heard i'm speechless to be honest really but obviously it doesn't it doesn't always help when you're on a podcast like this though does it so um i i, I totally agree with the things that amy has said and and, and mark have said and the infrastructure has, has really got to be as key as, as, as anything else. And, and it does worry me, um, again, like you say before, because I've often got the tram um, to the stadium and from the stadium. And even coming out of the stadium, um, there's no real... It, it doesn't. There's not really any thought to it. Um, and, and you're actually getting on the tram as, as a football supporter with the general public when coming out of games because it's whatever tram turns up. It doesn't seem to be as organised as it does in London because you look at London when it's evacuating uh, the amount of people, and it although it seems really large queues and that when you're coming out of Wembley to get on your your, your respective train to go where you're going back to, it just seems very organised because they think, oh, we've got ninety thousand people, let's put on the extra transport and and ensure that we get the uh, the football fans or whatever it is away from the stadium as quick and as safely as possible. And we haven't got that right at, at, at City, to be honest. And it is a free for, and it's a free for all. When you're on that platform, it's a free for all. So adding more people to it, it, you know, you hope that something doesn't happen, but it's there and it's waiting to, um, and that needs to be addressed. To be honest, we need to have proper transport that, that's designed then to move people quickly and safely out of the stadium, so hence that we can then ensure that the public and that are able to access it and obviously from from a, a you know a, a theater going with people or from a music venue that needs to be as mark said or, or amy said that we probably need an extra spur an extra line which obviously doesn't look like it's coming so yeah it, it is worrying from that aspect yes i totally agree i think i think what people don't realize is that I mean, if you look at what they say about the new venue and the extension to our north stand, that when you look at the transport um, um, in things that they're going to put in place to support it, they are trialling some shuttle buses, which haven't started yet. Hopefully we'll have trials, some shuttle buses that the club will be either running or behind running, you know, so not the passenger transport exec. So that's positive, although let's wait and see what it looks like. Uh, and the only other thing to say is we're in discussions with Metrolink. Well, it's only my opinion. I agree with Amy and I agree with my mate Tony. They shouldn't have been in discussions now when the thing's being built. The discussion should have been before they were given planning permission. So yep. for me, I'm amazed that the, the, the local authority gave them planning permission without making sure that the, the obvious service, Metrolink, could support these extra 30,000 people. Just to tell you what the club will say, so you've got a, a rounded picture, the club will say that um, they say, not me, by the way, don't shoot a messenger, they say that 
Well, uh, there aren't that many occasions when City play and it clashes with a concert at the oh, at the um, the new co-op venue. But I counted last season and we had 12 games at home in the evening, which 12, that's a lot, you know, in one season. Just That's just during the week. That's not like 5.30 kickoffs on a Saturday, which could easily collide. Um, and some of those games, they come out of a draw in the cup. So you find out 12 days before you're playing at home in the League Cup against potentially Liverpool or something. Uh, they say that they're going to kind of stagger the start times so that the concert will start either early or probably maybe start later. So that's what the club said. But that's what they've told the local authority to get them to get give planning permission. And it's my opinion, I don't buy that. I think there'll be clashes and I think it'll be... Um, mm. It's going to be very difficult, very, very difficult. Yeah. I, I, I was at, I went to see Robbie Williams a few weeks back, and I had to, which I never do. I had to leave City early to go to the concert. So there, there, I know that I, that was at the arena, but there's your, there's your clash of a Saturday night football match and a Saturday night concert. Concerts and football will happen on the same day, and I don't get how they think that that won't happen. So. But I just think it'll clash. I think, you know, people coming for people who come for concerts at Manchester. I know you're local, but we get people coming from Glasgow to come and stay. So people go early, you know, so staggering the time. It's not like football fans who do tend to arrive in the hour before the game, especially your regulars, tend to, they they have a different pattern. You know, people who are coming here for like a whole weekend and fitting a concert in on a Saturday. They could go, they've no idea what time they're going to want to get on a tram to go to this concert. Oh, it could yeah. be at five o'clock for a nine o'clock gig. Well, so, I mean, yeah. The, the other thing I'd chuck into this as well, because you mentioned Germany before, and, and they are very good at uh, getting themselves um, right for this sort of thing. Uh, obviously, I, I'm a follower of Schalke, and when they play their games at their arena, um, because their trams are state-owned so to speak a bit like the you know the, the trains etc uh, they're able to uh, structure it so that when a game finishes they can literally have 50 trams stacked up on a, on a siding almost so that when the game finishes one 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 yeah. now metrolink is a privately owned company so Correct. to a certain extent if somebody pays them to do it maybe but the yeah. trouble is, and I don't want to get too much into the intricacies of this, but because my dad worked on railways and I've always had a fascination for, for transport, <laughs> if you're going to pay somebody a shift, right, then they, they might have to work an extra eight hours. And obviously in a private company, who's going to, going to want to pay a driver or get a tram? And they might not have enough trams anyway because yeah. they'll only have enough to operate that system. So the tram might come every 10 minutes but they haven't got enough trams to send them out every two minutes because they can't, when would you use them any other time? The, the, the depre- just to depress you even more, Ian, uh, the, the, the line at, um, that goes out to Ashton, which obviously serves the stadium, has a 12-minute service. So that, that's not good for a, a football stadium empty and you know, kind of get people there. They only run a six-minute service. And I'm not even joking. This is the word used by City when I asked about it quite a while ago as a favour. So it's not, they're not contractually obliged to serve the public who use the stadium. They yeah. literally do it as a, when it's, they do it as a favour, that was the phrase he used. So City talked to Metrolink and say, we could really do with some more trams. Um, would you do it please? And Metrolink go, yeah, we'll do it when we can. Now, yeah. most of the time, they do run a six minute service for the hour before and after the, after the ground, um, after kickoff. So to be fair, it works to a degree, but when that falls down, nobody's in trouble because it's a favour. So it's not a contracted service where City can say, you meant to run every six minutes, why are you not doing that? They go, well, it's a favour, you're lucky you're getting the trams at all. And that's the dynamic that's going on. And it is because it's a private sector contract. And, you know, the the PTE who give out the contracts to the people who run Metrolink, they don't really want a six-minute service on the Ashton line the rest of the time because there isn't a demand for that. The 12-minute service, I think, has been worked out as, as works for the people who live there. So this is the whole thing that we're dealing with and the plonking a, an extra 30,000 people at the Etihad on a Saturday night, potentially. So it isn't a good look and it isn't a good start. 
but it's coming. So from yeah. my perspective, I agree with Amy, but I've got no choice but to roll yeah. sleep. No, it's more of a logistics thing. Like when you, you know, I have that sort of mind, you know, I think about the, 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 the stresses and the strains, not the fact, oh, we're getting a new arena. Oh, we're getting a this. Oh, we're getting a that. I think logically, like, you know, about the safety aspects, you know, Martin Hett's mum has put in for the law to have security better at these places. And this is what I'm worried about, that, you know, it's the security about it. it you know, I, I'm thinking about the safety of us fans and the concert goers. Well, I'll tell you what, Amy, I promise you, I'll raise that because I hadn't thought of that at all. I'm first to admit it. You've got a better angle on it than me. Being an old git, I don't go to gigs as much as you do. So, <laughs> honestly, I promise I'll, I'll ask the question and, and make sure you find out what they say to me. Thank you. Well, you you've, you've really given us a lot to think about in this podcast. I mean, we obviously talked about football for a while and now we've talked about something else which will really matter to people, particularly if they go to home games, even if they only go occasionally. I mean, it feels to me as if uh, going to any game now, um, a home game as well, you have to almost say right off the whole day. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, at Main Road, you, you could sort of do something in the morning and then go to the game and then do something else in the evening. These days, it feels to me as if you've got to write off a whole day to go to a football match. And that's a home game, not an away game. Imagine what it's like when you go to the away game. So these are definitely things to think about. So at that point, at this point, I want to say thanks to the three of you. Um, I, I'd say it's, it's a really thoughtful podcast, this, and one, you know, that I'm, I'm glad you three were on. You've been great guests. Obviously, you can trust Mark. He will represent us and he will represent you, Amy. But how far things can go in terms of changing anything it is an imponderable, really, isn't it? So, um, Tony, thanks very much for your time. Uh, Amy, you, you've been so passionate and, and 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 given us a lot to think about. And Mark, as ever, thanks for your, you know, input and on your, you know, representation of fans. Happy, happy to get in instead of Niall Quinn. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping the South Sands sing Mark Todd's disco pants are the best at the next home game. I will sing it for you, Mark. Yeah, yeah I know you will, Amy. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, if, if you're if you're one of those people who has to deal with legal aid through going through a solicitor, Howard Solicitors of Ashton Stockport uh, will help you. That's that's one of the things they specialise in. 01618729999. Law at howardsolicitors.com. Let's hope that we're not uh, asking them about you know the problems that you just talked about in the future, getting legal advice on on sort of protecting yourself or whatever. Um, there's no football now, certainly from City's first team. Uh, for a couple of weeks. The next game will be against Liverpool. Next week, the podcast, as I say, will be from Berry Official Supporters Club. And then we will return after that. And, and uh, if I can get hold of Niall in the, the meantime and talk to him about his disco pants, I'll stick up the video on the YouTube channel. So um, enjoy the next couple of weeks. Because I'll tell you what, once we get to April, I've got to pick up. We're getting to the sharp end of the season now. There's a lot of big games coming up. Bayern Munich home and away. FA Cup semi-final. Liverpool and Arsenal. But you wouldn't want it any other way, would you? Isn't it great being a blue? <laughs>